All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome once again, everybody, to episode two of the Ball on Blast podcast. I am Sean Alexander, once again, joined with my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's up, man? We had a TJ McConnell game last night, Shelly. <laughs> Tough L the, for the Sixers last night. The Sixers got their heart broken, one of many to come this year, but we finally got it, Shell. We finally got the TJ McConnell game. Uh, you guys got to do something because there's a little too much Jared Bayless. Right? Uh, there's there's way too much Jared Bayless. <laughs> right. I, I call mean, him the I call him the assistant coach and like listen, he's gonna be a good assistant coach one day, but he is not supposed to be out there during crunch time. I'll tell you that. Yeah, he, if Jared Bayless is getting a lot of burn for your squad, there there's some issues there. But uh, <laughs> yes. how crushing was that? Why not start on what was a crazy night in the NBA last night? You had Lonzo Ooh. versus Wall. The Raptors hung tough against uh, Golden State, but maybe the game of the night happened with involving your Philadelphia 76ers, right? Heartbreaker oh. at the buzzer. It was Eric Gordon at the buzzer in the corner with the candlestick. <laughs> you know, it was a full clue going on last night. But the other, I think we're glossing over the other one. Okay. What about Brooklyn beating Cleveland? Yeah, Cleveland. Cleveland is a thing. We'll we'll get to Cleveland a little later on when we talk about this whole. Because I, I have a theory, so I'll, I'll tease okay. that. I'll tease that. We'll get. To we that might have to bit, get. But, we might have to get to Brooklyn too because this this Brooklyn team is 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 looking pretty lively here, man. And it's almost a double loss for Cleveland, right? Because Cleveland has the Brooklyn pick, so exactly. the, the more wins that that Brooklyn's out here getting. It's worse off for LeBron or even keeping LeBron in Cleveland, which is a whole other story, which we'll right. get to. But uh, this time around, you know, thanks to all the people that tuned in to episode one and episode two. We're going to try to introduce, you know, uh, some segments here or there, you know, just to give us some structure, give us some, you know, ways to hit different storylines going on in the NBA. Sound there's fun? a, there's Sound a lot this week, too. There's a lot of storylines this week. There's We're a- only... Only like eight, nine days into the season, Shelly, and it seems like the Gordon Hayward injury mm-hmm. was like last year. You know what? That's so true. Because I wrote out some notes and stuff, and then it wasn't until I got to the end that I was like, oh, yeah, Gordon Hayward. Like That that seems so long ago. And did you catch today uh, Kevin Durant released whatever his like YouTube series is that he is going on? They released uh, the video. I guess it looked like Durant was getting a haircut or something at his house with his boys. And they were yeah. watching the game, and they had like the live reaction to when uh, the injury uh, happened, and it was oh, pretty, it no. was pretty crazy. But it's an interesting YouTube clip just to see uh, an athlete, like a star athlete, you know. And I guess with it being Durant, like it, it touches him in a different way as well, right? Because that was him the year before, you know. Like he could Absolutely. probably envision himself like after a crazy off season and a massive decision to switch teams. Like I'm sure he could like relate in the sense of, Oh my God, I couldn't picture if that was me last year. Right. It was a crazy thing. Check that out on YouTube for sure. The Kevin Durant saga. Um, I'll have to look that up, man. And you know, speaking of those reactions to that Gordon Hayward injury, mm -hmm. I think my favorite was the Dwight Howard tweet. (laughs) It was like, Jesus walks with him now. Yeah. I was like, well, Gordon Hayward died. You know, Dwight, Dwight's an interesting character. Yeah. We'll we'll (laughs) say that. say that again. 
speaking of interesting characters, uh, this Toronto Raptors season has gotten off to a semi-interesting start. You know, they won two games to start the, the year. We're going to head into a little something we're going to call the wrap it up segment, where we kind of just talk about the wraps a little quickly here, just what's going on in Raptor land. And Raptors had some easy wins against a Joel Embiid-less Sixers team. They yeah. also beat the Bulls. But now, like, this is where things start to get good, right? Because I think the real tests come. Because what happened last year with the Raptors was every time they faced one of those top teams, they struggled. They didn't really yeah. do too well against the Clevelands, the Spurs, the Golden States of the world. And, you know, you can't really knock them for that. But if you're bringing back the same team year after year, at some point you hope to compete against those two teams, right? Right, and, and see a little more improvement. So where, yeah, you can knock off a Cleveland when you play them in the regular season. You know, you can beat a San Antonio Spurs when you play them in the regular season. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right, you just need a little something to give you a little bit of hope when you're heading into the playoffs, right? Because you, you don't want to get into you know stuck in the mud where you're thinking, oh no, we're just going to lose to Cleveland again. You want to have some type type of hope. And last night they they played against Golden State and they played tough. I th- I'd say the biggest part that's been good for the Raptors so far is the play of their young guys, right? Like the yeah. one thing you got to give Masai a lot of credit for, I think, is just how he's been able with Raptors 905 to develop Siakam, Jakob Pertl, uh Freddie Van Fleet, Norm Powell, like those guys, DeLon Wright, those guys are doing really, really well and, and key contributors to, the, to uh, the Raptors this year. And you even have a guy like Kevin Durant after the Golden State wins a game last night. In his post-game interview, he's talking about, he's bigging up Jakob Pertl, right? Yeah. Pertl's, Pertl's been a revelation, man. He has been really good, right? He has been really good. But the story that caught my eye this week with the Toronto Raptors, when they were playing the San Antonio Spurs, and there was an article that came out that was involving your boy, Philly's own Kyle Lowry. Yes, sir. And in said article, we get quotes from your boy, and he says, it was real for me, Lowry told the Express News, but it wasn't real for them. That's part of the business that people don't know. I would have loved to come here, but it didn't work out. The conversation didn't happen. If the conversation happened, I would tell you, but it didn't. Not saying that I wanted out, but I did look at teams to see what was going on, said Lowry. I mean, this place would have been a great place. Now, that's interesting on a lot of levels. But first, I want to ask you just what's your initial reaction to that comment from Mr. Kyle Lowry? Of course he wanted to play for the Spurs. (laughs) Who? I, who wouldn't want to play for the Spurs? This is an organization that's been the model of consistency for 20 years. Okay. If, if, a, if an NBA player says that they wouldn't want to play in San Antonio, they're lying to you. So, this, no, I, I, of course, like, and I, I don't think this is anything that the Raptors have to be worried about mm-hmm. or Raptors fans. I mean, he ultimately, like he said, he didn't have that conversation. The Spurs weren't interested. And he stayed in Toronto and signed the deal. Yeah, I mean, so I, that was the one thing I, I was going to say. What do you think, how should Raptors fans feel hearing that that quote from Lowry? I think they should feel very relieved in that they have a star on their team, mm-hmm. uh, a guy who re-upped with the Raptors, who's not going to blow smoke up the asses of the fans. He's going to tell the truth. If anything, Raptors fans should feel refreshed by this, by Lowry. Do you know what that because is? Because... 
No, go because on. with a lot of other stars out there, they'll tell you that, oh, listen, I, I never had any interest in leaving. This is where I always wanted to be. Hmm. And at least Larry's being honest, you know? You and be- it's not like he's saying, I don't want to play in Toronto. He obviously does want to play in Toronto. Otherwise, he wouldn't have re-signed here. No, that's totally interesting. And I think you bring up a fair point, right? Like, I think even, you know, the most hardcore of Raptors fan could be honest with themselves and realize that if all things are equal and you had the opportunity to go to the Spurs or stay with the Raptors, most often than not, you're going to go to the Spurs, right? So you can't really be mad at Lowry for thinking this. My thought was, why would he say this, like, in the media? And, and you bring up an interesting point, Webster, because sometimes I have to, I have to catch myself, right? Because we get caught up sometimes where we want athletes to be real. We want them to tell us the truth. We want them to just not give us the same like boring soundbite over and over again. But then exactly. in an instance like this where he's being honest, right? Like maybe our first instinct is to crush him and be like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. You know, like you, you yeah. really made me think about that. I like that, Webby. Don't hold it against him for being honest, you know, because mm-hmm. as a fan of the team, the last thing you want, like I say, is for a player that you love and that you're invested in to lie to your face as a fan. Think about the Oklahoma. This is why the Oklahoma City fans are so upset. Uh-huh. It's because they they felt like they were being led along by Kevin Durant. I mean, he's making the big deal of where he's going to go. He's taking suitors, blah, blah, blah. You know, he opens a restaurant in Oklahoma City. It looks like on the surface, this is where he's going to stay. Why would he leave? But if he was just honest with the fans in Oklahoma City and and said, "Hey, I'm looking elsewhere. I, you know, I'd love to play in Golden State." Or I mean, he didn't even have to go that far. I know what you're saying though, but kind of like, you know, I know what you mean though. Like the, at every turn that he had to kind of leave a door open, he kind of had it shut in terms of, "Oh no, I'd never leave. This is my home. This is this, this is that." And then exactly. just kind of left. No, I know what you're saying. I, I know what you're saying. Uh, at the end of the day, I think you did. You convinced me here. You swayed me here, Webby, because you're <laughs> right. I do want to hear honesty from players. And if Lowry's giving us some insight into the fact that, hey, it's the Spurs, I can't knock him because I, I feel like we all would want to join the Spurs instead of staying with the Raptors. I mean, look yeah. what look what in his boy Rudy Gay's there too, right? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? No, no, no. But they're boys, right? So who knows? Uh, how far that went in the conversation as well. Maybe him and Rudy Gay were trying to plot out maybe them playing again together to, you know, in San Antonio. Who knows? Maybe that could have been a thing too. Well, right. And the other thing, the other thing is uh, uh, Larry saying that he had interest in playing in San Antonio is a lot different than him saying that he had plans to go play in San Antonio. Also true. Yeah, because he could have had interest in playing with, you know, LeBron and the Cavs or Golden State yeah. or, yeah, yeah. Go, or going home to Philadelphia. <laughs> that, I, I would definitely take Lowry over Bayless uh, eight days a week. For sure. And, and you know, kind of going back to uh, the Warriors game here, it was interesting because, you know, there's a lot of talk the following day after the Raptors uh, blow one late to Golden State. And right. the talk kind of centered around for the majority of the game, they're sticking with this new offense where the ball movement is crazy and they're sharing the ball and all that. But then when it came down to winning time, it was Lowry and DeRozan going ISO mode and it didn't really work. And there's two right. sides to look at this, right? Because Durant, like their stars made plays, Durant and Steph Curry made plays. Whereas Lowry and DeRozan didn't, you know, like I think sometimes we read too much into the final results. And I remember that uh, 
Kenny Smith would always say this, right? Like sometimes basketball is very, very simple. Keep the game close. And at the end of the day, is my best player better than your best player? Sometimes it's really just that simple. And that's kind of what ended up happening last night to the Raptors in Golden State. The problem, though, is as we look ahead to this road trip, Webby, what do you think of this Raps road trip? They got, they've already dropped a game in San Antonio. They've dropped a game in Golden State. So still to come, they're at the Lakers. They're at Portland, at Denver, and at Utah. Six-game road trip. You're already 0-2. What, what would be a successful trip from here on out, you think? I would say if you can salvage three of those games, mm-hmm. which I think is completely doable. I think winning in L.A. against that Lakers squad, that's a, <laughs> that, that's a win with, how, with the Raptors team that we're looking at this year. Yeah. I think that uh, winning in Portland is definitely doable. And then I think if you can split one and one with Denver and Utah, then you're looking at a win. Because now, Sheldon, doesn't it seem like this kind of road trip that the Raptors go on comes about, I want to say, middle of November, middle of December? Yeah. This road trip that they go on now, it seems like it's coming really early in the season than it usually does, right? I feel like it's always kind of early on in the season, you know, like within their first 15 to 20 games, they have that crazy West Coast trip. Every but year? getting it, getting this one out of the way, like six games into the season, I think it's really good for the Raptors. Yeah, because it, it's kind of it's kind of gut check time, you know. Like definitely. what what is this newly formed team really made of? Like let's put them up against the the two of the best teams in the best conference mm-hmm. in the NBA, and let's see if we can hang. And you know what? Like we talk about no moral victories. There's only wins and losses. Mm-hmm. You got to take some positives out of going up on San Antonio even to lose it late and keeping it as close as it was against Golden State last night. I mean, yeah, Golden State I'll give you. San Antonio's tough though because I feel like if if you guys are, if the Raptors are really serious about being taking that next step and being a championship level team in the NBA, you have you to be able that to, lead. you gotta beat San Antonio without uh, Kawhi Leonard. Like that's yeah, just something gotta, that I think you, you gotta be able to do. Whether it's at home yeah. or on the road, you gotta figure that out somehow. Yeah. You got to hold that lead too. Yeah, for sure. That was pre- that was pretty bad. For sure, for sure. Uh, but I like I like the way this this team looks. Like you say, these young guys, they're they're real NBA players. Like, uh, there's nothing you can fault Masai about, right? This guy is the real deal. You look at a guy like Pirtle, and I was like, oh no, man, here we go again. <laughs> but he's a, he's a real NBA player, man. He's a solid, solid dude, man. And Delon Wright looks really good as well. Oh yeah. Norm's kind of off to a slow start, but you know, like he he might just be, you know, especially when you're a, a guy who is a second round pick, you got to gut it out and really battle hard and work hard in the D League and scrap for minutes in the NBA, and then yep. you finally you get to that next contract and you sign for big money, you know, it might be like a weight lifted off your shoulders and you kind of got to regroup and find that that chip again on your shoulder and, and, you know, like settle in now to your NBA career. And and maybe that's what's going on with Norm, but I, I'm not really worried about Norm as he's kind of kind of struggled to start the season, but I'm sure he'll be able to turn it around. Uh, Don't worry about Norm. Just get him in the playoffs. There's, like there's regular season Norm and there's playoff Norm. I like it. I like it. Well, their, ne- their next test is against the Lakers. And, you know, as we're saying this, by the time you're hearing this, they might have beaten the Lakers. They might have lost no, to the Lakers. Who knows? Whatever. They, they, they've beaten the Lakers. <laughs> they've beaten the Lakers. I'll go out on a limb and say that. I like that. I hope you're right, Webby. But what I want to talk about is LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball is still a topic of conversation 
in the NBA and in NBA circles. And I just want to know like what your take is about LeVar Ball, because we seem to like, he's around and I feel like there, there's two sides. People either love LeVar Ball, they're here for the comedy, the entertainment of it, or people just hate LeVar Ball. Which side, no. do, you, which, which side do you sit on? Man, I love the entertainment. Are you kidding me? And I can't fault the guy for, for like, how are you going to fault the guy for promoting his own family? Like, he believes in his kids. He loves his sons. Mm-hmm. He loves his family. Like, it, it's not like a Earl Woods situation or or uh, the Williams dad situation where there's almost a kind of tinge of, like, abuse there that he's doing this against his kids' will. Yeah. Like, he really loves these kids. And he wants to see them do well. Mm-hmm. And just the energy, like, just the guy who's popping off at the mouth like this, you know that I'm going to buy into that. Like, I love I love him for the entertainment. But, no, I've got nothing bad to say about LeVar Ball. The only thing is, is that what he's doing is putting a huge target on Lonzo's back. And do you know what's interesting about that? Like, I like his explanation for that, because obviously by now he's been asked that exact question. You know, does he feel like he's putting a target on his kid's back? He's been asked that about 10 million times. And I do kind of like his explanation where he's like, you know what? If I really want my kid and my kid really wants to be the best player in the league, that target's going to come anyway. So at least I'm going to be the one to put that target on his back to hope that he can handle that because LeBron just doesn't become LeBron, right? Like he had to battle through a lot of targets. You know what I mean? Like the biggest target of the doll. And when you're talking about the stakes being that high, you know, I'm not I'm not mad at LeVar Ball. For the record, I know that like, you know, I posed a question like that, but I don't get the people that are upset about LeVar Ball. I've said this Me a bunch either. of times on Twitter. I've written it in different forms on 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 our on blast site in different forms. And my whole thing is if you're still mad at LeVar Ball, like first off, I don't get why you would be mad at LeVar Ball. But if you are and you're still mad at LeVar Ball at this point, you're the problem. Because yeah. you just don't or- get it. Right, like, or there's or there's something else that's that you're not telling us. Because how are you gonna be how are you gonna be mad at a guy's dad like that? You know. Well, uh, my guy Dan Levitard, who I love the Levitard show, he brought up the best point that I found. Right, he's like, "How ridiculous is this? That right now you have people talking about whether or not Lavar Ball is a good parent or bad parent, and all they're basing this on is if Lonzo plays well or not." Like, how stupid is that, right? Like, if Lonzo goes out and wins Rookie of the Year, people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, LeVar Ball did a great job raising his kid. And look, he got him to the NBA, and he's done a great job in the NBA in his first year, Rookie of the Year. And if he struggles, people are going to be like, oh, well, LeVar put too much pressure on him. Like, what? Like, how do you make that correlation between him being a good or bad parent? Like, the outcome of basketball games. Like, that is so dumb. Right. And yet, like, that's what so much of the narrative surrounding LeVar Ball has become instead of just it's entertainment, sports. It's just absolute. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Were you able to get his parenting has nothing to do with how good of a basketball player Lonzo is. And by the way, I've watched a couple Lakers games. Mm -hmm. Lonzo Ball, he can play. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I've always thought Lonzo Ball was going to be okay. I don't think he's going to be a superstar or like a, you know, crazy like 10-time all-star or anything like that. I think he'll end up being a solid NBA player, which to me also lends to the the sort of brilliant marketing of LeVar Ball. Right? Like 
We're putting so much of an emphasis on him now. And look, we're talking about Patrick Beverly. And LeVar Ball said after that game, he's like, we're only talking about, LeVar, uh, about Patrick Beverly because his name's attached to Lonzo. Ain't nobody yeah. was talking about Patrick Beverly other than this, right? And he, he's right. And so it's sports. And the biggest thing I want to bring up, though, Webby, I don't know if you caught, uh, you know, the Balls reality show that they had on YouTube. I don't even know if it's still a thing or how many episodes they did. But I did the, not catch it. I did not catch the Balls so, oh, reality I, show. I made sure to check it out. I'm all in on LeVar Ball for sure. <laughs> But the, in the one episode, right, like it was at, he was talking about the mom. And for those who don't know, like uh, Lonzo, like LeVar Ball's wife and obviously the mother of uh, the Ball kids, she yeah. had a stroke and she was really sick and in the hospital for a long yeah. time. And they didn't know if she was going to pull through or she was going to make it. And a big part of the first episode of the show was just showing LeVar taking care of her and also them discussing and showing her like interaction with her kids. And one of the biggest things LeVar said, he was like, listen, right away, as soon as it happened, he said to the kids, he's like, I don't want you guys to worry about your mom. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of all that. You guys just focus on basketball. You guys are kids. You guys focus on that. Everything's going to be fine with mom. I'm going to take care of your mom and that's it. Right. And then, it led to him explaining the whole fact that that's real life, right? Like that is real life. That is life yeah. or death. This whole, and like, you, is Lonzo good at ball? That, like, that's not real life. That's just jokes. It's sports. It's entertainment. It's not serious, right? Yeah, it, exactly. It was perspective gain. And I think that a lot of people need to, like, take a step back and realize, you know, relax. It's entertainment. Him and Stephen A. Smith is, like, a wrestling bit. Yeah. No, no, you're right. That's a measure of a man. And it's not, you know, how many assists you can put up or whatever. Like, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's, that's how you measure character, right? It's super interesting, too. And, and uh, the parents, so uh, Tina, I'm pretty sure her name's Tina. LeVar's Le wife's name's Tina. Uh, Tina's parents are also in the reality show, right? And in their confessionals, they were discussing when she first brought LeVar home. And the dad is honest in saying he's like, you know, at that time, he's like, it was a different time. And interracial uh, marriage and interracial couples weren't really something that was that prevalent. And he's like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, it's not something that I was okay with in the beginning. Oh, and he wow. says, and then you, right. And I was like, I was blown away because I was kind of like, whoa, he's being like super real right now. And then he, he was like, you know, but then you watch how he treated our daughter and even now, you know, obviously over the years, we've seen how he treated our daughter like a queen. He's like, how could I not like this guy? Like, how could you not love this guy? How can I not trust this guy with my wife or sorry, with my daughter, with my family, with my grandkids? I see the way that he treats them all like he is a great, great guy. And I was just kind of like, whoa, OK, that's where yeah, I'm kind of like people need to take a step back and actually like figure out and realize that he doesn't really think he can beat Michael Jordan in basketball. And even if he does, like we all have a boy that talks shit. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do. Right. Like we all had a boy, like in my neighborhood, there's a dude that they called Oliver twist. And I remember I was like, why do you guys call the guy Oliver? And, and the dude just goes, one of my boys just goes, call the boy Oliver. Cause he twists up, twists up stories. <laughs> <laughs> And I always thought that was the most amazing thing ever. But the point is, we all have a boy who's like LeVar Ball that just talks mega shit, doesn't stop. And it's just that's just who he is. So just sit and back, does, enjoy it. It's all in it's all in jest. And it doesn't mean that he's a bad person because exactly. of that. Right? It's that whole like 
it's that whole that oh Lavar is a bad person vibe that just rubs me the wrong way. It's I, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. So as we move from uh, the Lavar Ball Lonzo saga and you know John Wall basically not living up to the trash talk that he was Man. he was putting out there going up against Lonzo and I mean you're, gonna, you're you're the Wizards was, you can't lose to the to the Lakers. Man, that was going to be my uh, my my feed me segment too, Ooh, okay. with the March and Gortat Lavar Ball beef, and then John Wall getting involved, and then I watched that game last night, and I, what happened to John Wall, man? I thought he was trying to eat Lonzo for lunch. Well, I'll let you go, Webby. You know we do have a new segment, and it's called Feed Me, and basically what this is the best thing that comes across our social media feeds each and every week. So, Webby, go ahead. Like, how did this thing start? It started with Gortat, right? This started with Gortat. This started with, well, it started with Lavar. Lavar, we touched on a little bit where he said that the Lakers don't lose, the, the Lakers aren't going to lose two in a row. Yes. In a week. The Lakers are going to lose two in a row in a week. So he comes out and he starts popping off at the mouth. And then Gortat, the Polish hammer, <laughs> takes, takes to her favorite social media website, Twitter.com. Yeah. And he throws out some emojis and some some crying, laughing face emojis, <laughs> and then and then his teammate John Wall, one of the best point guards in the NBA, yeah, who's having a phenomenal season mm-hmm. uh, up until last night for the uh, I think they were three and zero heading into that Lakers game last night, looking like world beaters. <laughs> Wall's playing on another level, and Wall, you know, kind of puts it on himself that he's going to take it to Lonzo Ball uh, in LA. You know, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, I guess. So I tune in. Everybody else is watching the Raptor game. And I go, no, no, no. I'm the smart one here. I want to see John Wall put up 50 on this Lakers team. Because, man, this Lakers team is, they're still trying to figure it out. They got some pieces, you know. I like Luke Walton as a coach. Okay. He's a, you know, really, he's doing some interesting thing with the lineup. So here I am tuning in to watch John Wall. And for the first two, three minutes, there it is. He's facing up against Alonzo. It looks like it's going to be a battle of wills. Midway through the first quarter, they take Wall off a ball. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't understand. I guess it was, I don't know if they thought that that ball, uh, that Lonzo wasn't going to do too much, so they didn't want to, you know, waste Wall on him, maybe put him on somebody else. But I was really disappointed by the by the Wizards. Now I shouldn't be so surprised because you know who coaches the Wizards? Your man Scotty Brooks. Our man Dave Katos lookalike Scotty Brooks. <laughs> shout out, shout to out Katos. Shout out to Katos. Yes, uh, but uh, Scotty Brooks is not necessarily the best coach in the world. Yeah, and I think I think that he really blew it. I think that you know that. Twitter beef was boiling. It was on the it was on the stovetop. It was boiling. So do you he should have put put it in his point guard's hands, give him the keys of the car, and say, "Listen, John boy, you put it out there in the media that you wanted to do this to the kid. Let's see what you got." Well, it's interesting you you say that, right? Because that's kind of how things ended up playing out in overtime. Which again. If you're the Washington Wizards and your aspirations are the Eastern Conference Finals, you cannot be going to overtime with the Lakers. But it yet, shouldn't even get to that. Here they were, and they were down in overtime. And there's a key play at the very end of the game where Bradley Beal's open, but John Wall took an ill-advised three. And I'm wondering if this whole Twitter beef, you know, maybe got into his head a little bit too much, and it was kind of like, oh no, this is going to be my, this is going to be a moment. You know what I mean? 
where he kind of took it on to himself. And, and Hey, again, if we're going to sit here and say, Oh, LeVar talking all this crap is, is putting all this pressure on Lonzo. Maybe it's going the other way. And maybe, you know, you're going to have other guys that are getting themselves too amped up for this Lonzo ball as if it's Lonzo versus John Wall, because that's all everyone was talking about. And what ended up happening to the Wizards? They lost the game. Exactly. And that's what we're looking at now. You know, it's it's the we talked about the target on the back of Lonzo. You got all these NBA players, all these NBA pros that are now salivating on getting their chance to prove LeVar Ball right. Meanwhile, they're losing the game. They're not playing the way they should be to win the game. They're trying to put it on themselves to to embarrass this kid. And like you say, there's no way the Wizards should have lost that game last night. No way the Wizards should have should have won that game. And the I'm gonna wrap up just this Lavar Ball Wizards and Feed Me segment. Not the Feed Me segment, but just this Lavar Ball section of the podcast with something I found very interesting. So uh, they asked Scott Brooks a very strong and personal take on Lavar Ball. Okay. So yeah. Scott Brooks was asked about how he feels Lonzo Ball is handling being a young point guard in a market like Los Angeles and with a father like LeVar. And here is what your boy Scott Brooks said. Quote, you know what? Hey, people talk about his dad all the time. Hey, I mean, my father left me at two. I would love to have a father around like LeVar who is around to talk to him and pump me up with confidence. To me, that's every son's dream. And for some reason, he gets criticized. No question, he's a little ambition at times with what he says, but he's around his son. I have no problem with that. And maybe he could temper it a little bit, but I would have loved to have my father do that. That, to me, is the whole, like, sums up the whole LeVar Ball saga to me. Exactly. And that's from Scott Brooks. And because the way that we look at the world sometimes, we look at it so simply as being black and white. You know what I mean? Like... I'm pretty sure there's going to be some people who are like, oh, Scott Brooks said that. Like that, They're shocked by that just because it's right. Scott Brooks. Do you know what I mean? No. That's exactly what we were talking about when we were talking about LeVar, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Uh, for me... Now, by, quickly, oh, quickly, my other... The, the other uh, uh, feed me thing that I wanted to talk about. Oh, for sure. And not to make it, not to make it too Philly-centric, but was the Markel Fultz agent thing. No, no, no. Talk, talk your Philly talk, Webby. There's no yeah. rules here. We talk what about is- what we want to talk about, Webby. What is like this was a this was a Woj double bomb boom boom <laughs> because Fultz can't shoot a free throw no he can't shoot the ball at all mm-hmm. and then so his agent comes out and says that he's had fluid drained out of his shoulder can't lift his arms up above his shoulders uh-huh. but he's gonna he's trying to tough through it they drained his shoulder okay then two hours later Woj drops the second bomb. That the agent was misquoted, and they haven't drained his shoulder. In fact, they put fluid in his shoulder with a cortisone shot. (laughs) Oh, what the hell's going on now? And so now they got the kids sitting out three games. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. When it comes to this whole Fultz thing and the whole Jason Tatum thing, we got Philly fans and Boston fans talking trash at each other on Twitter all the time mm-hmm. over who's better, who's going to be better. Here's the thing. Fultz, he's got nothing but time. Yep. Because it's almost like the Sixers, it is like the Sixers, have two number one overall draft picks this year. You're totally right about this. You're totally and right ben, about this. I agree with Ben you. Simmons looks like he's a superstar. I mean, you're totally right in the sense that if Ben Simmons didn't come out and just 
ball so hard as like Ben Simmons has looked unbelievable so far in this season. If that doesn't happen, then there's so much more pressure on, you know, Fultz to be something, anything. But the fact that Embiid has remained, I know it's super early, but Embiid's looked all right so far, but Ben Simmons has been so, so good. It eases so much pressure off of Fultz. And, you know, if he's actually hurt, I wouldn't hesitate to sit him down for Why an extended not? period of time. Like, what's what's the point, right? They're like, not going to win. They're not going to win the championship this year. Let's make sure that Fultz is fine. But my beef is, what is the agent doing? That's a fireball offense, right? Like, you know? honestly, that's a fireball offense. You can't. And pe- you can't be making mistakes gonna, like that. People are going to take it out on the Sixers medical staff. Like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. They should have known this kid's got a bum shoulder. But if you're the agent, you got to shut your mouth. Yeah, for sure. Definitely you know? anyway, that was my little, I know I, I'm getting too much into a, a process truster. That was just the other Twitter feed thing that I wanted to bring up. Well, here's the thing about the feed me segment. The reason why we do this is because what league is better with social media than the NBA? Oh, right. Not it's not even all. close. So there's always going to be so much to talk about every single week. And so it's such a fun segment to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to feed me, feed us with some more jokes from social I'm media hungry. in the NBA. And I'm, I'm going to go to the, the Phoenix Suns. Oh. <laughs> because your boy Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> your boy Eric Bledsoe just happens to tweet out, I don't want to be here anymore. Okay. And was, he get, was he getting the haircut? Because this is what I was reading the other day. So there's a I lot heard- to this. because So he sends a tweet out, and people are kind of like, obviously the assumption is... They think he's talking about the team. I mean, the Phoenix Suns came out. And another interesting point to all this, that, you know, obviously I'm a Jay-Z stan, but this tweet happened to come out at 444. No, did it really? Yes. Oh, no. No way. I I didn't know that. That's a weird fact that I I just read online that it was 444 p.m. Eastern. Yep, Phoenix Suns point guard Eric Bledsoe tweeted, I don't want to be here. And by uh, here, people thought that they were talking about, you know, the Suns team. Right. And the Suns came out. They got blown out in their first two games, just pathetic. And then 68 minutes after that tweet came out, it was reported that they'd fired their coach, Earl Watson, and Jay Triano would be replacing Earl Watson, which oh, shout out to Jay Triano. Friend, our old friend, Jay Triano. Yeah, shout out to Jay Triano, by the way. Yeah. Oh, Canada. We're always going to big up Jay Triano. But for now, shout that, out to those clipboards. Yeah, Triano's not really part of this story or like the juicy part of this story to me anyways, right? So I did some reading on this and there's a dope article that kind of broke down kind of what was going on with Earl Watson. And oh, yeah. They're saying that, you know, Last year when he was making decisions in terms of how he was distributing the minutes and stuff, he was telling players on the team that, hey, okay, well, this isn't really my decision. This is coming from above me. Like blatantly just throwing the front office under the bus. at like, And he did that multiple times with multiple different players, according to sources. And so it was just a huge gong show going on in Phoenix. So you could understand why Eric Bledsoe would want out. But then the next day we get this press conference with their GM, who says he called Eric Bledsoe, and and Eric Bledsoe said that he was actually at the hair salon with his (laughs) girl, and that's what he was talking about. He wasn't actually talking about wanting to leave the Suns. And on top of that, the GM said, 
We don't believe him. So we basically told him to stay home and we're now we're trying to trade him. What? <laughs> well, first of all, for, yeah, first of all, that's a great move as a GM is to tell everybody that you're trying to trade this guy. And that you that's don't believe such a, him. Stupid move. Why would you why would you tell everybody that you're trying to trade Eric Bledsoe and you sent him home? You know how much you're gonna get back for Eric Bledsoe if you are trying to trade him? You're gonna get zip, zilch, nada, man. Exactly. Like you've right? destroyed the guy's trade value. Guy shouldn't be running the team in Phoenix. Now here's my question. Mm-hmm. You said that Triano isn't a big part of this. I don't know. No, I'm because- just saying like the interest the juice of what's going on right now. Like I'm yeah. not really that interested in the Jay Triano side. I, I'm I'm interested to say shout out to him. Oh Canada, that's great. But in terms yeah. of the juice of everything that's going on, I teased it earlier on, and there's a whole other side to this that I'm going to bring up after. But I'll let you go. Doesn't Steve Nash have a part of this Suns organization? Well, not yet. But Steve Young or Steve Young? Wow, I got Niners on, my, I got <laughs> you got niners niners on, on the brain. Yes, Steve Nash. Uh, I'm pretty sure has a very good relationship with the owner. And there was an article written, uh, I think it was Bleacher Report, I read it. It was Ken Berger, who uh, he was saying that he thought Steve Nash, they should bring in Steve Nash to be the president and run the Phoenix Suns. And so if right. you put two and two together and you know the relationship between Steve Nash and Jay Triano, obviously, and their Canada basketball ties and all that, and you that would actually make sense. If that's a thing that Steve Nash wants to do, uh, that could actually make sense and add some legitimacy to their front office. Right, right. That's when I when I when I saw the Jay Triano hi, like interim hire. Mm-hmm. I thought, and then I must have read that same thing or just saw the uh, headline on Bleacher Report's Twitter or whatever. Yeah, but that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense if you're gonna if you and why wouldn't you if you're Phoenix try to bring in Steve Mack? Exactly, like a franchise legend, right? Like you're getting instant credibility with your fan base that's instant credibility around the league uh nash was working i think he had like an advisor job right now with, with the, the warriors the warriors yeah because yeah, he just got his ring as we saw in that weird picture with uh, yeah, yeah. steve kerr right yeah yeah so that would be an interesting move for steve nash and jay triano to add some legitimacy to the phoenix suns because it's been a long time i mean they haven't been legitimate since steve nash left so Bringing him back would make a lot of sense. But the thing that makes this very interesting to me, Mr. Webster, is the fact that who would you say in the NBA is the best at, let's say, subliminal messages online? Uh, LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. Oh. Who do we remember to be rumored in said Kyrie Irving deals, but the trade didn't end up actually going through? There was, and, Eric, there was an Eric Bledsoe, Kyrie Irving deal supposedly on the table. And what team has a pick to deal that could hmm. be in the lottery? What team just happened to lose to the New Jersey Nets or the Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm so not you- saying, but I'm just saying. Could LeBron James and company, because we know that he has a very nice company behind him in terms of his agency who happened to represent Eric Bledsoe as well. And, uh, and, and, and Earl Watson, by the way. Oh, and Earl Watson. I didn't real. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that part. I didn't yeah, know Rich, that part. I think, I believe Rich Paul is also Earl Watson's agent. I think, I think I'm just no fact checking, no fact checking. How else do you lessen? Because if you think about it, right before this all goes down, how much harder would it be to get Eric Bledsoe? 
So how do you make Eric Bledsoe available while also lowering his trade value, right? So that Cleveland, who already, I mean, they have assets, but to make the trade easier, let's say, you lower his trade value by doing this. I just find this super interesting, right? And I mean, at at this point, you can't put anything past LeBron. LeBron is such a mastermind that always seems to be thinking, right? Like he's playing chess and he's always like three moves ahead of everyone else. How surprised could we possibly be if next week Eric Bledsoe's on the Cavs? Wouldn't be surprised at all. But Shelly, my question is, Mm -hmm. are we sure Eric Bledsoe is good? I'm sure that Eric Bledsoe is better than Dwayne Wade, who they expected to get minutes from. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Eric Bledsoe no, is better than uh, J.R. Smith. Dwayne Wade. Yeah, he's better yes, than J.R. Yeah, Smith. Eric Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe is definitely better than J.R. Smith. He's better than Shumpert. He's better than, he's better than any guard that the Cavs have right now. Okay. Right? Like, yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, of him going, the only other place that I could see him going would be New York, but I don't think New York has anything to give up like Cleveland has in terms of assets, right? So the the question then remains, if you're the Cavs, would you give up that Brooklyn Nets pick? Uh, well, the way that the Nets are playing right now, I probably would. Uh-huh. I know it's I know we're yeah. like it's interesting. I know we're like a week and a half into the season, a week into the season, but just like I say, just the way that the Nets have looked, which is crazy to say with Damari Carroll and Trevor Booker and 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 our boy fucking D'Angelo. Yo, I, I mean, tweeted it last night. Do you know how messed up it was? In crunch time, the Brooklyn Nets were playing Quincy AC. Quincy AC <laughs> and Damari Carroll were on the court in crunch time for the Brooklyn Nets. And I was like, what is going on here? And then Dimwitty is hitting threes like he's oh, Steph Curry from that Dude, that Spencer Dimwitty three was <laughs> big brass balls man holy the nba is amazing the nba is amazing the drama never stops and you know for a first feed me segment i think that went pretty well i enjoyed oh yeah i enjoyed that a lot uh it was an easy one this week it was was a real easy one there were three huge things that happened (laughs) on twitter it was great so good so good the next sec uh segment we got coming up is something i'm gonna call turn up or turn down basically i'm just gonna hit you with topics turn up equals good obviously turn down equals bad. So I'm going to pose a question to you and you're going to tell me turn up or turn down. First question, Webby Giannis as MVP this season, turn up or turn down through the first week. I got to turn it up. Giannis is a beast, right? The freak freak is living up to the name, man. Like, and, and we were talking about Twitter and, 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 and feed me, and it's every night the Bucks are playing, I'm being fed through Twitter. Because, <laughs> because this, this guy was made for social media. He is the Vine megastar. Every game, he's got at least three or four insane highlights. It is crazy, right? And I mean, it's perfect now whether you follow. I mean, if you're a fan listening to this, I hope by now you follow either House of Highlights or Bleacher Report on Twitter or Instagram. CJ Fo- oh, big, yo, big shouts to CJ Fogler. Right? Because, I mean, every time something happens and Giannis has been dominating it so far this season, he is – what he did to uh, – what's that guy's name? Aaron Baines? Aaron Baines. Oh, my – that was so disrespectful. Yo, Aaron Baines thought the ball didn't go in. That was my <laughs> favorite part. 
He didn't know how inbounding the ball worked anymore. He didn't realize that he just got dunked on his head top. And, and, then, and, and what was the game that, that Giannis had the dunk to go ahead and the block to win back to back? Right? Like just what this guy's been doing. And you look at his stat line through the first week. How are you putting – and I know that it's early in the season. But anytime I see a stat line that is 36.8 points per game, 10.8 rebounds, and 5.3 assists, like – Whoa. That's crazy. Like those Whoa. are things that we only that those those things only go for guys like LeBron and LeBron and <laughs> LeBron. Like, do you know I what LeBron. I mean? Like, <laughs> that's crazy. So early season MVP as of now through the first week yeah. of the NBA, we're both we're both turning up. Giannis I'm is turning MVP. up. I, I also want to turn up just a, a half turn up for point guard LeBron. <laughs> yes. Point guard LeBron, I think, is my favorite LeBron. Hold on, but go the, back. Point guard LeBron is another reason why they need Eric Bledsoe. That's true. Well, Jose Calderon ain't out here to get minutes, okay? No, no, no. <laughs> and then the other one, my other half turn up is uh, just a little bit on the low side. I know it doesn't play for a great team, uh-huh. but have you seen Boogie's numbers? Yes, I have been Boogie, Boogie is numbers. putting up grown man numbers right now. Boogie, I still stand by the fact that when he was available last year, if I, if my team was not trying, if my team wasn't like Golden State or Cleveland or you know like one of those four teams that had a chance to win a championship, I would try to get Boogie Cousins, right? Hundred percent for sure. I'm so, I'm definitely on that train. Uh, so sorry, mega turnups for the freak. Yep, mega turn for MVP. For freak. Yep. Okay, next question. The Golden State Warrior swag, are we turning up or turned down? And I'm going to mention a bunch of different things here. We got Draymond trash-talking, Dennis Smith Jr. just saying, you know, you'll never dunk on me, telling the rook he'll never dunk on him. Draymond asking another Mavs rookie, like, the the guy checks into the game, and Draymond's (laughs) like, who is this? Like, asking the other teammates. You have... Who's uh, Mavs? Who's Mavs is this, basically, Draymond's asking, which is so utterly disrespectful. But then Steph getting ejected for tossing his mouth guard at a ref. You got KD pointing to fans, showing his ring. Golden State's early season swag. Are we turning up? Or turning down? I'm turning up for bad guys warriors. Ooh. I'm turning up for villain warriors. I am. Okay. I was so out. I'm so, I'm turning down so much for good guy warriors. (laughs) I'm turning, I'm turning down for best story in the NBA. I'm turning down for bringing uh, the Bay back. I'm turning up for the warriors being the bad guys. You like the warriors as a heel. You like that, eh? I, I, and yo, listen, I hate the warriors. I hate Durant. I hate (laughs) Steph Curry. I hate Steve Kerr. I hate Draymond. But if they're willing to accept this role and flourish in it the way that LeBron couldn't, remember villain LeBron and bad guy LeBron? It could never take. No, it didn't take. But I think bad guy Warriors has the chance to take. But does this only take because of Draymond? Like, they need Draymond, right? Like, without Draymond, it doesn't really work. Well, Draymond's always going to be bad guy Draymond. But you need you need bad guy you need bad guy Curry and bad guy Durant. If we could get bad guy Clay, I don't know what that would look like. It would probably still look like good guy Clay, which is about as even keel as you can get. But if we can get heel, if we can get heel warriors, I, yeah, I'm turning up for it. Hold on, would it look like the fake Clay Thompson? No, 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 the, fake, the fake Clay Thompson. And then my other one was: Did you see the guy? Where was he in Houston yeah. in the in the World Series game? 
who was dressed up with the batting gloves. <laughs> yes, yes. Yo, he and the and the fake Clay should get a should get a room <laughs> together. Uh, I, I love that. I love that. So we're turning up on the bad guy, Golden State Warriors. I, I do find on, them a lot more yeah, interesting. Yeah, Warriors for sure. Okay. Okay. Next on the list, turn up or turn down, the Serge Ibaka Lamarcus Aldridge beef. Now we oh. saw them we saw them get into it in San Antonio again, but then obviously as Twitter often does, it reminded us of two other prior incidents between Serge Ibaka and Lamarcus Aldridge. Is this something that you're here for? This no, I'm between- Are you kidding me? No, I'm turning down for this. <laughs> I'm turning down. Especially because of the prior the prior beef. Yeah. You know what? I'd be turning up if they said, okay, now we're going to settle it. Yes, exactly. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you here. I'm turning tur- down on this beef because how are you having three fake NBA fights with no punches ever being thrown, right? Studio and, and- gangsters. I'm, da- I'm turning down on Serge Ibaka being a tough guy altogether. <laughs> Is it because uh, Robin Lopez was it? Robin Lopez almost punched <laughs> yeah, it was Robin Lopez last year. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That's so studio amazing. gangsters out here. But I, I will say though, Lamarcus Aldridge made the ultimate studio gangster move where he waited for guys to get close enough yeah. and then he pushed <laughs> them away. <laughs> right, like they were just face to face, and then as soon as dudes got close enough to break it up, then he pushed Serge away. That was awesome. And then it shout out to Pop. Because I don't know if you saw the wide angle. Oh, the sw- the smile. Oh yeah, Pop just walked oh, over yeah. and he gave Lamarcus that look, like yeah, amazing, <laughs> amazing. Turning you can down all, on the I, I think e- even up here in London, Ontario, I can hear Jalen Rose go, "Hold me back." <laughs> oh yes, definitely, definitely a hold me back moment going on there between those two guys. I like the turn up, turn down segment. That's a good thing. Ooh, I like that. I yeah, like yeah. That. yeah. Keep it keep it keep it short and sweet. I like keep it. Keep it short and sweet. Keep things moving. Uh and lastly, we I think one thing we'll do, we'll try to wrap up each week's podcast with the mailbag segment, which we'll ask people if you want to ask us some questions, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Maybe we'll start the hashtag ask on blast and we'll just Ooh. answer whatever questions that people want to hear. Right? Do we have any questions this week? I do have questions this week. And what I did, Get I, I went, out. I went to my, sent us questions. No, no, no. This one, because no one else knew it was happening, I just quickly oh, sent okay. text messages to a couple of my boys to be like, there hey, what are some things we should talk about? So, <laughs> first up, first, first up, and this is coming from my buddy Joe, Giuseppe Visconti, but we'll call him Joe. He says, <laughs> He wants to know, is Dwayne Wade better suited to come off the bench for the Cavs? Is this, or will it come back to bite them in the butt because Wade will be upset coming off the bench? I think that they should keep him in the starting lineup. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that they play him 30 minutes a game, 35 minutes Uh, a game. I see. I I think limiting his minutes is the only way that you're going to get the most out of Dwayne Wade at this point in his career. Uh-huh. But I don't think that keeping him on the bench to start the game is going to do that. I think you can still limit his minutes by saying his name first as one of the five guys to so having him start the game, get a little run in him, get him warmed up, and then have him hit the bench in the middle of the first quarter, get him rested, and then bring him back in the third, you know, in, in the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. But yeah. use, you got to use Wade sparingly because we've seen what happened, what happens in his career if you don't. 
Yeah, I kind of agree with that in the sense that if you can still manage his minutes so that most of his minutes come against the second unit, and I'll say the same thing for Carmelo Anthony as well in OKC. Yeah. Just in the sense that if you have those guys as the lead guys for your second unit, but they still start, so they get to, you know, get your name announced because they're the superstar, whatever. Right. And they got the ego. For sure. They got the ego. And Melo is still able to finish games. He still he still has enough left in the tank to finish games. D Wade, I'm not really sure, just because the Cavs, I think, have better pieces. Like JR is better suited. He can play a little more D. He can knock down threes. Right. I think they have other guys that are better suited to finish the game. But in terms of D Wade, I would keep him starting just to, to pad the ego, but I definitely manage his minutes and make sure that most of his minutes came against second unit. Next question coming up. We got one from Niche, actually. You know Niche. I had to message oh, yeah? Niche and ask him a question, ask him for what he wanted us to talk about. And he says, Can the Celtics still compete in the East without Gordon Hayward? Of course they can. It's the Eastern Conference of the NBA. <laughs> of course they can. And this was a solid team. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, this was a solid team even last year when they didn't have Kyrie or Gordon Hayward. Okay. Okay. You know? Yeah. And, like, sure, Isaiah Thomas isn't there, but Al Horford is still there. And the two Jays, the two young Jays, two skinny Jays, whatever you want to call them, Jalen and Jason, have been phenomenal to start the year. They are balling. They are balling. Jalen Brown is balling out of control right now. Now, the big one that's kind of – especially early in the season, the guy that I think they need back who's being dinged up right now is Marcus Smart. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Smart. He's the one, he's the, he's the straw that stirs the drink for me with that team. Yeah. And I, I think that they can get away without having Hayward this year and still be a top two, top three seed in the East. For sure. I like it. I like it. And to, I agree with you totally. I still think because the East is, isn't that good. Uh, they can still definitely, I wouldn't be surprised if they make the conference finals without Gordon Hayward. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Just because the East, anything can happen if your name's not LeBron James in the caps. So yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and the last question that we will take every week in the mailbag segment, segment. So know that you can message us and ask us about everything. The last question will always not be about basketball. All right. Yeah. Nice. So for this one though, I'm just going to ask you this question, Webby. Are you watching The Deuce on HBO? Okay, so I've been uh, working nine to five uh, since I've moved away from Toronto. Okay. Uh, but before I, I left, I'm, I watched the first four or five episodes of The Deuce. Okay. And I absolutely love it. It is Are so you good. kidding me? It is right up my alley. Not only is it David Simon and George Pelicanos back together again like The Wire, mm-hmm. but you're talking about early 70s late 60s new york city oh god it's so great man and everybody's so great in it exactly you're getting great character performances uh great acting performances sorry and you have great characters right like the way that the characters are so developed it does remind you so much of the wire right and i've used this comparison before but i think it's exactly the wire except you trade out drugs for sex yeah, And that's kind of the transactions, and it's all about the money, where the money's going, who's in control of the money, who's stealing the money. You know what I mean? You have those same principles, but the way that it's set up, like the storytelling is so, so good. I love the show, and it's highly recommended. I'm glad you like it too, because oh, this is getting the a number strong on The number one thing, Shelly, for me, it could be about anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be about dragons. It could be about Baltimore. It could be about 
New York City in the 70s. Yeah. What it's got to have for me is characters. Yes. Uh, characters that I want to spend time with, that I care about. Yeah. And the deuce, the deuce, man, there are no bad storylines. Yeah. Whether it's the pimps, whether it's the girl who dropped out of college, yeah. whether it's Franco, it's all great. And all the characters, even down to the smallest guy, the guy, the, the cop who works the desk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I I love them. I, like they're all so great. So yeah, I know I'm totally in on the Deuce, and the, I was reading about the Deuce because, like I say, this is like right up my alley. Mm-hmm. So you know what they're doing with this show? No. So every season is going to jump forward a couple of years, oh. and it's not going to it's not going to have the same characters, but the character of Times Square in New York City is always going to be there. So they're going to go through like when the late seventies, when, you know, uh, downtown, well, yeah, downtown was really bombed out and like really dangerous down there to all the way up to when Times Square kind of got more commercialized under Giuliani. Ah, okay. It's going to be amazing. I I loved it. I'm so glad you like this show. I think it's the best thing on TV and I have about, I think I have three more episodes that I have to get caught up on. And I'm so excited. Yeah, it is so good. Highly recommended. And hopefully, if you listen to this podcast, this podcast is also highly recommended. Episode two of Ball on Blast. I I think that's about as good as the deuce, I'd say. (laughs) Right. Right. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, Webby, great job as always. Uh, Hey, man. More balls. This this is great. This is great. Yo, shouts to LeVar. Shouts to Katzos. Shouts to James Franco. <laughs> shouts to Maggie Jellenhall, right? We oh, didn't mention shouts her. Shouts to Maggie. She's, Let's she's go. Doing a great job. Great job. Uh, and great job by you as well, Andrew Webster. Hey, great job by you, Sheldon. <laughs> Until next time, I know it's ball on blast and not just a normal on blast podcast, but we are still always unpolished and unapologetic. So until next time, I'm Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander. I'm Andrew Webster, and of course, you can find me at a Webster84, the number one Twitter feed in all the land. <laughs> and until next time, hope you enjoyed this edition of Ball on Blast, son. Ball Later. Blast. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah.